You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Werewolves of War by D. W. Hall Part B You're wanted by Colonel Douglas, sir. Lance felt a hand jarring his shoulder. He turned sleepily over, yawned, and stared up into the dark, full-cheeked face of Ranth, the orderly. Huh? Colonel Douglas wants you, repeated Ranth. It's five o'clock, sir. Wearily, Lance pulled on his boots and adjusted the military belt. The night was hot and sticky. Somewhere, miles to the rear of the base, the batteries of long-distance guns were beginning their nightly serenade. Lance followed the orderly's broad, chunky back to the Colonel's office. The Colonel gazed up with tired eyes from the welter of maps on his desk. "'Lance,' he said, "'I'm changing the routine of the night patrol. A fresh batch of youngsters came in this afternoon to fill the empty files. Two dozen new planes arrived by transport, too. I'm sending ten of them over for the night patrol. Stevens will take your place. I've got another errand for you. And prod." Lance was conscious that Ranth was standing quietly behind the Colonel's chair. Douglas ordered him to attend to some errand, and the orderly left. "'I had an interview with Prod,' the Colonel went on. "'I didn't exactly accuse him of anything definite, but I think I threw a bit of a scare into him. Tonight we'll give him the acid test. You and he will fly over tonight to investigate Hill 333. There have been rumors that the Slavs are massing there, and we want positive information.' There's sure to be a fight. Watch Prod carefully. If he steers clear of any scrapping, we'll have enough to court-martial him on. Understand?" Lance nodded. Right. It's a dangerous errand, Lance, but I'm confident you'll come through as always. There's no one else who could handle the job. God, man, you're getting close to Hay's record. You'll be the top-notcher of the service soon. The young man laughed briefly. No danger of that. When do we take off, sir? Douglas consulted his watch. Seven fifteen. Come and get the dope from these maps. Hill three thirty three is rather difficult to find. Anything been happening at the front, sir? The colonel passed both fine-fingered hands over his lined face. He said quietly, "Yes. The Slavs took twenty-five miles from us down in the lower sector. Just wiped our boys out. Those damnable flamethrowers and bulletproof tanks, supported by God knows how many hundreds of planes. It's hell, Lance." Headquarters thinks they're going to unleash a general attack all along the line in the next few days. And our resources, well, our back's against the wall. We're coming to death grips, man. 7.15. Lance pressed the starting button. His four motors choked, sputtered, then burst into a sweet full-throated roar. He glanced over at Prod's plane, spun the small helicopter props over, and pushed down the accelerator. The plane quivered stuck its snout up, and leaped like an arrow into the clean, darkening air. Lance gunned it to ten thousand feet, Prod following him neatly. Prod was a good pilot, no doubt about that. The two fighting machines hung for a second side by side. Lance eased off his helicopters, and streaked away into the gloom at a breathtaking five hundred. "'I hope,' muttered Colonel Douglas, as the two tiny scouts sped from sight, "'that everything goes smoothly.' They're the men to do it, anyway. No better pilots in the whole service." "'What about that there Captain Hay, sir?' put in Wells, the mechanic, standing nearby. Colonel Douglas smiled. "'Oh, of course,' he amended. "'I'd forgotten Hay.'" Once more they were anticipated. 
Lance, at thirty thousand feet, the raw diesels with their perfected superchargers, were easily capable of a ceiling of sixty, had hovered above the position of Hill 333, pulled on his gas mask, and said through the microphone to Prod, Power dive to three thousand feet. Release your flares and take in all you can before they send up planes. We'll take them by surprise, but there's bound to be a fight. Got it? The steady reply came back. Okay. Whereat Lance set his teeth in his customary fighting grin, jockeyed up his ammunition belts, glanced at the flare parachutes folded alongside the cabin, and plunged the scout in a dive that tipped six hundred and fifty miles, and threatened to crack the speed dial. But surprise? Nothing doing. Like angry hornets, five Slav planes pounced on them at ten thousand feet. They'd been waiting there. Lance cursed savagely. He flung off his flares, immelmanned up, and in less than two seconds had sent one Slav shrieking to the ground in flames. For the moment forgetting Prod, Lance followed after his flares, three Slavs attempting to sight their guns on the twisting, writhing, corkscrewing body of his Gossok. He knew there were disintegrating flame-throwers below, but gambled on their not shooting because of the enemy scouts diving with him. Flattening out at perhaps a thousand feet, Lance threw a rapid stare at the bulk of Hill 333. He drew his breath in sharply, lit dazzlingly by the bleaching white of the slow-floating flares. Huge rows of the dreaded Slav tanks were clustered all around the hill. As he looked, ten more Slav planes came soaring up from the ground. This was too hot. The thought of Prod stabbed through Lance's whirling brain. He pulled the scout around, doubled over the three closing in on his tail, and belched lead for an instant at one he caught off guard. It collapsed like a punctured paper bag. Lance grinned and bounded to the upper regions. The two other Slavs let the crazy Yank go for the instant, joining forces with the ten brothers coming to help them out. Lance again, at ten thousand, looked for Prod. Far above he glimpsed two planes, circling and diving. Prod seemed to be fighting, at any rate. As he watched, the two scouts catapulted still higher, became tiny, almost imperceptible dots, visible only in the reflected light of the flares. Then Lance felt a shaft of ice along his spine. The two planes had practically hugged each other for a second. Then one of them fell away, somersaulted, tumbled down wildly, out of control. It passed Lance like a falling rock, and it was Prod's scout. "'My God!' muttered Lance. "'He's been shot down.' The next moment twelve Slavs were on him like a hurricane. Motors roaring. Lance stood them off, flinging a burst of lead here, dropping out of range here, looping, catapulting, zooming, phasing them with every trick he knew. A dozen times he sensed the zinging wrath of storms of bullets, a dozen times he escaped death by the breath of a hair. Not for nothing was he called one of the best pilots in the service, second only to Hay. He bagged another of the Slavs, and began to think of getting away. Prod had proved himself, but had been killed in doing so. He's got the dope on Hill 333. Now for the getaway. As he whirled, another Slav plane, the one that had got Prod, dove down from above, and in the last second of the ghostly light of the flares, Lance's bewildered eyes saw the face of the man inside it. That face was Prod's. Prod, inside an enemy scout. Prod, firing at him. Prod, not dead. 
Lance was dumbfounded. He almost died just then, for he felt his senses stagger and relaxed his maneuvering. Prod! What? How? He couldn't begin to reckon it out. If the flares hadn't died at that instant, Lance must have been shot down. Luckily, they expired. Pitch darkness washed over everything. The lights on the Slav planes switched on. Their prying beams fingered the sky for Lance's plane. But Lance was somewhat himself again. He jammed the accelerator down, dove headlong, flattened out and streaked for home. The speed of the goshawk snatched him faithfully from the jaws of the Slavs. He left them milling behind, left Prod with them. Colonel Douglas was waiting for him. Lance's face must have been a study, for the elder man laughed shortly. "'You need a drink,' he decided, and poured out a stiff tot of rum. Lance downed it with a nervous gulp and sprawled in a chair, the glass held weakly in quivering fingers. Dead silence brooded over the whole base. Even the muttering guns were still. One green-shaded light threw the maps on Douglas's desk into glaring prominence. Besides that, there was no illumination anywhere in the drome. Lance knew he had a thumping headache, and that his eyes were lumps of pain. The glass fell from his hand and crashed on the floor. It seemed to stir the young captain, for at last he looked up and met the colonel's inquiring gaze. Well, the colonel was terse. I saw Prod shot down, Lance mumbled, as if to himself, and then I saw him. Wait, Douglas strode rapidly to the door which led to the other rooms of the building. After glancing to right and left with an explanatory, walls sometimes have ears, you know, he locked the door carefully again, came back, and said, Talk in a whisper. How about Hill 333? Tanks amassed there, Lance said slowly. Yeah, I saw that all right. They must be intending an attack on that sector. But, but Prod. What happened? Lance told him of the scrap, how Prod's plane had apparently rubbed wings with a Slav and then tumbled down out of control. He concluded, I figured that Prod was all right, that he'd proved himself, that he wasn't a spy as we'd thought. But the next moment I saw him in the Slav plane that had bagged his. His wondering eyes sought the Colonel's lean face. Lance expected to see it express amazement, incredulity. It didn't, though. He laughed. While Lance gaped, the older man went to the delicate machinery of the radiophone in one corner of the trim office. He clasped the earphones over his head and spoke into the mic. Headquarters, Air Force, Washington, Douglas, Base 5, speaking. A tense moment passed while his radio call was put through. Presently a green light flashed on the board. Douglas said swiftly, Headquarters? Base 5, Colonel Douglas. Tanks massed around Hill 333. Enemy evidently contemplates full attack on corresponding sector of our line. They know a scout of ours observed it, however. Perhaps that will induce them to change their plans. This next is extremely important. The first step of the torpedo plan has been successful. For a while he listened intently, replying with short, clipped affirmatives. Then he hung the headphones up and turned to the bewildered Lance. Colonel Douglas laughed again and rubbed his hands exultantly. "'What the hell?' Lance began. The other pulled out a drawer of his desk and took from it a small placard. "'Do you recognize the photo?' he asked smilingly. Lance looked at it. 
It was the picture of a man in the uniform of a captain of the Air Force, a row of battle ribbons on his straight khaki-clad chest. But it was the figure's face that Lance stared at. Sure, he said finally. It's a picture of Prod. But what— Not Prod, corrected the Colonel. Not Prod. Captain Basil Hay. End of Part B